Hello everyone and welcome to The Stagey Place, the podcast where we here chat to those who make the magic from behind the scenes in theatre. From writers to directors, producers to designers, and a designer is exactly who we are featuring today as Gregor Donnelly, the set and costume designer, joins us here on The Stagey Place to talk about Exhibitionists, which is on at the brand new venue for the King's Head Theatre from the 5th of January until the 10th of February. This is also the first episode of 2024, so if you're listening to this on the week of release, I hope you've had a wonderful new year and you were able to celebrate how you wanted to celebrate in a safe and calm, comfortable manner. I know that I had a lovely time up north and I hope that you guys also have enjoyed seeing out 2023 in style and look forward to what 2024 has to bring, whether or not that's in theatre, personal or private lives. We here at The Stagey Place will continue to entertain you guys throughout the whole of 2024. So if you are listening to this podcast for the first time because you are interested in what Gregor has to say, why not follow us on social media where you can do so on Instagram, X and TikTok at The Stagey Place. So without any further ado, let's get on with the first episode of The Stagey Place in 2024, where we bring you episode 128 with set and costume designer Gregor Donnelly. Hello Gregor and welcome to The Stagey Place. How are you doing today? Hi Elliot, I am very well, thank you. I am currently sitting in one of the dressing rooms of the new King's Head, which is all very exciting and uh yeah doing very well nice to meet you lovely to meet you too yes obviously gregor today we are talking about exhibitionists which is on at the brand new venue for the king's head theater from the 5th of january until the 10th of february tell me a little bit about how you got involved with the exhibitionists how did this project come to you so as you would probably imagine within theater it's all about i guess collaboration and it's all about working with with other kind of creative colleagues, etc. And over time, relationships build up. And um, you know, we've got a really lovely team here, which is led by Brona Lagan, and she's the director of of the play. And she and I have worked together before on on other productions. So we've just done Animal at the Park, which did a, a small tour. We've done rags, we've done numerous other things. So so there's a kind of there's a, a shorthand then I guess in that kind of creative collaboration. We've also got Matt Powell, who's the AV designer on the project. Mm-hmm. And again, Matt and I have worked together on, on other productions. And, and interesting enough, um, Max Pappenheim is our sound designer. And he, he's basically, I worked with Max, we were just discussing this yesterday, 12 years ago, when wow. I first graduated. It was one of my first productions, and it was at the Finborough Theatre, and it was called Perchance to Dream, and Max was on that. And we've also got Clancy Flynn, who's the lighting designer, on the piece. So... Ultimately, it's it's about collaborations between people. Often you get asked to, to design a show because it's led by a director who maybe has worked with you before and, yeah. and kind of wants to check, you know, availability, etc. So so that's how this came about. So I'm very grateful to Brona for that. 
again. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And we'll talk a lot about exhibitionists throughout this episode. But first of all, Gregor, what mm. I want to do is I want to come back to you and your journey into theatre. It's something that I ask everybody who comes onto the podcast. So whereabouts did theatre start for you? And, you know, you decided that actually you maybe wanted to have a career within the theatre industry. I suppose like many people in the theatre, it kind of starts back in education. And for me, it was it was high school. There were a couple of productions in my sort of fourth and fifth and sixth year that I was involved in. And I remember them to this day, La Belle Helene, this, this uh, musical. Um, and a play, which I don't remember the title of, I have to say, but I remember it's very funny. But I do remember the musicals, that and uh, Oklahoma. And I guess that's then took a bit of a back seat because I went off to do my first degree, which was in occupational therapy, because that time, I guess, parents were really keen that you did something that was a proper job. I, I went and, and did this qualification and started working in the health service. And alongside that, I started getting into some amateur theatre, was on stage. I mean, I have to say, for anybody that's done anything with me on stage, I could dance a little, I could act a little, and I could sing a little. I wasn't particularly great at any of them, but I did plenty of them. I was in lots of shows, so I saw lots of amateur theatre at the time. But I suppose that as, as the time went on, I started getting more and more interested in how things looked on stage yeah. and, and how I looked on stage and what I was, was wearing. I mean, embarrassingly, I do remember once refusing to wear a pair of trousers in a production of Calamity Jane. And it was after 20 years of working in the health service that I, I kind of thought, do you know what, I'm going to go off and do this and see if I could do this as a living and make money. Um, so at a very grand age of uh, whatever, we shall not say, after 20 <laughs> years, um, I applied to, the only place I applied to was was Motley, Motley Theatre Design, which at the time was run by Alison Chitty and Ashley Martin Davis. And I remember I had been in Edinburgh, I'd seen a production of Peter Pan, and it was designed by Francis O'Connor, an amazing designer, international designer, who I have admired for an awful long time. And I remember coming back from, from dinner with these friends, Norman Kenny, We'd had drinks. I got on online and uh, Googled Francis O'Connor and sent an email to say that I thought the production was very innovative. It was very creative. I was captivated by it. Yeah. And I sent a few pictures rather cheekily of things that I'd done on an amateur basis. And, and bless him, he contacted me directly because this was to his agent. And he contacted me directly a couple of days later and, and I had said to him, if you're going to be back in Edinburgh, I'd love to meet you to find out how you right. got to where you got to. And he basically wrote back and he said, look, pictures are great. Yeah, I'd love to meet you. I'm going to be back up in Edinburgh in a few months' time and design another play. And we met up and we had coffee. Yeah. And he took me around the set of, of the, the show that he was designing again at the, the Lyceum in Edinburgh. And we chatted about it. At the time, I was going to do, go and do a summer school. And he said, look, I think if you're really interested in this, just go and do it full time. At my stage of life, I was thinking, gosh, another degree. I'd already done mm. two stage, another you know, degree of three and four years. You know, I just want to get on with this. And and he suggested Motley to me, which okay. was an amazing programme based in Drury Lane. And as I say, ran by Alison Chitty and Ashley. And I got placed, they took 11 people from across Europe. And I got a place on the final cohort, Group 45, it was called. So after 45 years, the school closed. 
and I was in the last year. So I was ridiculously lucky because what Motley sort of specialised in was taking people who were not kind of typical, you know, or, or not people who typically come through a sort of creative route, i.e. gone off to art college, done a, a degree in, you know, a set design or in costume design or, or whatever. They took people who were didn't quite fit the mould. Mm. And for me having been through the health service, having had quite a lot of ex amateur experience, it was it was perfect. I remember driving down, I, I finished my, my job in the health service and I had got this place, I'd gone through the process, the interviews and the spend the day at the place and all the rest of it. And I, I got word that I'd got the place and I went into the, the, the work and I said to the director, I'm going to leave. And I'd been in this new job for 11 months just and she basically just put her arms around me and gave me a hunk and congratulated me and I have to say it was the most amazing response to yeah. absolutely kind of changing my life because because it did significantly I mean I left a well-paid job lovely flat in Edinburgh which I sold a nice car that I bought it was an Audi, Audi TT, so maybe not quite as nice for everyone. <laughs> um, but I, I loved it. But, you know, I, I sold my flat, sold the car, left the job, and I drove down to, to London, this little white van, 11th mm. September, with, with what I thought was my life. I mean, in the back of this van, it turned out to be sort of 11 boxes of pots and pans and blankets, mm. but it felt like my life. And I arrived at this little studio in the pouring rain, thinking, what have I done? And I woke up the next morning, opened the curtains, and there was this red brick wall, and it was the back of Holloway Prison. And the flat looked onto Holloway Prison. I didn't know. I mean, I'd arranged this and hadn't seen the, the flat, as it were. So, yeah, so life changed. And that day on, on the 12th was, was very sunny, I remember it. And, uh, yeah, I went out for a walk and thought, well, this is it. Yeah. And that was... 2011 graduated from Motley that was the that was the journey to get to to being a, a set and costume designer so I'm very yeah. grateful to all people along the way who have supported you know Alison Ashley changed my life Francis likewise Norman Kenny grateful to them for the opportunities etc so I feel very lucky to have been given the, the opportunity and the chance to do it yeah, absolutely. And there was something that you said there in that answer about you reaching out and, you know, sending those photos and stuff that you've done in the past. Something that we ask later on in the podcast is about advice that people would give mm. to to people who want to come into this industry. And something that people have said a lot recently is reach out, you know, ask for a coffee, ask for, you know, just a just a chat, you know, about about what they do. And that's something that you did before even joining the industry, that like you were still in the health service. I just wanted to talk about that and like, did you feel like you could just have done that, that you just reached out and like, you know, did you feel any trepidation about reaching out? Or were you just like, I've got nothing to lose here. I'm just going to reach out and see what comes. Do you know, I think I did a cup of wine when I did send that email. Just yeah. that probably. <laughs> no, I, seriously, I, I think that, I think it's so hugely important to to reach out. And I would I would say that to, to anyone. I, I recently sold something on Facebook yeah. market. And, and the, in fact, I wasn't selling it. I was actually giving it away because I was clearing some stuff out. And it was fabrics. It was fabric, costume fabrics, excess stuff that I hadn't used. And this woman got in touch to say her daughter was studying costume design and um, this would be great for her. And I mm -hmm. said, well, absolutely. You're more than welcome to have it. And 
the, the, the daughter was unwell, couldn't come herself. And I said to her, I said, please tell her to drop me an email, send me a CV, you know, I yeah. said, because that's what's so important. And I would say to, to anybody, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a funny old industry. It's very different to the health service, which is very structured. You know, there are, there are grades, there are roles, there are pathways. But in theatre, and, and it's part of the beauty of theatre, it's part of the challenge, but part of the beauty of theatre is that, you know, you never know what's around the corner, you never know what's happening. And it's all about connections and it's all about people and collaborations. And, yeah. you know, you, you build you build those collaborations. I think I probably was a bit nervous about it. Yeah. But you know what? For somebody who's thinking, oh, gosh, I don't know if I should reach out to that person or, you know, I don't know if I should email them or send them a text or, or whatever. Absolutely do it. Because, I mean, I have to say it's really flattering when somebody gets in touch because they think that, you know, you might have something to offer them. And, and it's also really real uh, rewarding to be able to give something back to, to people. I mean, I, I do quite a lot of kind of schools talks and, and equally I do some stuff in terms of some teaching as well on, on, on design. And it's hugely inspirational to, to watch people who are inspired, go off mm. to do something, you know, and, and I've got a number of people that get in touch and say, well, I've just done this or I've just done that or I've decided to go off and train or, or whatever. And that is hugely rewarding. And so it's two way, you know, for, for those people who are thinking, oh, gosh, I better not reach out or I feel uncomfortable doing it. It's two way. And, and yeah. I absolutely would advise people to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Gregor, we're now going to jump to the process of designing mm-hmm. a show. So with whether that be set or with costumes. So talk to me a little bit about the process of designing a show. You know, how does it start for you? Because obviously, I guess a big thing about shows is budgets and, you know, every show is going to have a different size budget so when you are designing a show what do you have in mind when you are you know reading the script and you're getting ideas about the show or does it come from the director and you having a chat or you know all the other creators if not that's you know your lighting designing your sound design team what is the first steps of designing a show for you once you've got the script in your hand gosh there are so many things there. I mean, a number of points. Firstly, just let me say that when you're sitting there on press night and you're watching a show, you know, and you're sitting with the director and you're sitting with the choreographer or, you know, the lighting designer, the sound designer, etc., there's nothing more satisfying than being able to kind of look at that and think, you know, it's getting a great response. People seem to be having fun. We did that. Yes. We designed that and we put that together. You know, I designed set and costume and that's one small part of it. You know, my set is nothing if if Clancy doesn't do a great job lighting and Matt doesn't mm-hmm. do a great job with his AV, you know, and, and the, the way that actors work on that set doesn't work unless Max can do, you know, really good stuff from a sound point of view, etc. So for me, it's always really important to be mindful of other creatives in that process. So that's my, my my kind of first point on it. I like when a director has a vision. I don't need visuals. I don't need, you know, lots of ideas or suggestions. I just like a direction of yeah. where they see something being taken because it then gives me something to kind of hang bits and pieces on. And I think typically when you, you read a piece, I mean, I am probably quite visual really, and, you know, I will, as I'm reading things, I will see images in my head. Yeah. And I will always storyboard. So I'll try and storyboard just in little pictures that help me. 
because I find that I'm actually quite slow at reading. It's always been a bit of a challenge. And I, I'm much easier if I can look at things visually. So for, for me, comic books and, and things are much easier to kind of follow storylines and things. So in the same way, from a, a design point of view, I will storyboard it. And I can I know exactly in that scene who's in it, how many people are there, and, and the kind of size and feel from a picture that I will just quickly scribble. So I have hundreds of these books with little storyboards in them. And what I find is actually it's quite a good tool as well to share with with other creatives, so the director or whatever. Sometimes you've got the creative director who will storyboard as well, and you can compare and contrast. But it just starts to give you a common language that you can work your way through. At this stage, money-wise, I'm not too interested in the budget. That can often just restrict your kind of creative thinking about it. But I will say it's really important to me, you know, and actually this is James Seabright's producer and, and Elephant Productions, our producers on this show. And I have said to James that it's really important for me that we come in on budget yes. and it's not just about my part of it, you know, working out and, and being comfortable with it. It's about everybody's part of this working out. So for me, that's important that from a budgetary point of view, it works for them as well. So the budget I'm mindful of but not till further down the, the line when I start making decisions about finishes and sizes and what's in and what's out and what have you, et cetera. Yeah. Going back to that kind of storyboard, some of the key things, some of the key elements in that storyboarding, and I might do several for a piece. One of those storyboards might be purely around locations. What are the size of the locations? Are the inside or the outside? I need to get a sense of how quick these scenes are changing from scene to scene, you know, and how many different scenes there are. And from the point of view of where this new King's Head, I mean, it's a fabulous new space and, and very exciting. It's got such a different feel to the old King's Head. But, you know, obviously we can't fly here yeah. and we don't currently have a huge wing space at all. I mean, we don't have oh. any wing space unless we wanted to create it. We've decided not to create any wing space. So everything is in view. So I've always got to be mindful of how do we create those locations without being able to either close a curtain or give us a blackout or choreograph something being brought in and, and you know, someone else taken off, et cetera, et cetera. So you're mindful of locations. You're also mindful of entries and exits. You're mindful of the number of people who are on stage at any one time. So you're just building up these layers, what it is you actually need for the set to work. Because the thing that I will always remember from a, a training point of view is anything I do from a design point of view merely adds to it. It has to facilitate the storytelling. Um, if it doesn't, there's no point. It's, it has to it has to add to it. You could put, we've got five guys on the show. They could do this play in literally a black box with nothing. It might look and feel different, but they could do it. What I bring to that, along with in collaboration with the director and and, and others, is is basically a context for the piece and a, yep. and a background and a platform that helps to sell and propel that story forward, if you like. Yeah. So, I mean, from a, a process point of view, it's it's very much about building up those layers till you get to a point where you've got your white card model yeah. and your initial plan of what this space could look like and how it serves each of the scenes and how it flows as a, as a piece. And then, you know, in collaboration with others in the team, you're making decisions on that white card model. Yeah. You get to an end point. And of course, nowadays, I, I probably do most of my stuff on a, on online in terms of 3D modeling online. But I usually do some kind of card model as well. That's how we're trained at Motley. You know, when I think now it was a ruler and a pencil for your ground plans and your, your set drawings. 
and it was a it was a, a model box, and that's just twelve years ago. And of course, now it's yeah. CAD and it's SketchUp and it's it's all of that. All good, all good. Yeah, I remember. I remember going to drama school at Bristol Vic, and we did a module, and we had to do a model box and a prompt book and everything for Noises Off. And so everybody had to do their own model box of, of what they wanted to do for Noises Off. And we all thought that it needed a revolve because we all saw a production that just had Noises mm. Off in a revolve and didn't really think about how they do it now, like on the West End and touring. And they just, you know, bring the curtain down and swap it around in the interval. But I loved the idea of when we were at drama school and I did a stage management degree, we had to learn what everybody else's job in the industry was. And it's like what you were saying at the beginning of that answer about, you know, it's you're just a little part of that story. You've got the lighting, you've got the sound, you know, everything comes together. So even though I was doing a stage management degree, I learned about set design in a way that, you know, we got told how to make a model box, a white card, really appreciate everybody else who works on a show which is what's so satisfying i think for me when i work on shows like i really understand what everybody else's job is around around what i do so you know when you were saying there about like when you sit there at press night you've got the lighting designer and the sound designer and the director and everything is that like one of your favorite parts of the process like do you have a favorite moment in every process that you have <laughs> i'm not sure if that's my favorite part because it can be a little <laughs> stressful yeah and um, just praying that everything is, is going to go well etc but it's it, you know it's at the end of the day theater is about you know it's it's about telling stories it's about creating messages i mean the thing that always inspired me was about you know you would walk into this dark space or certainly probably light when you walked in and then put the lights out and it would be dark <laughs> And the music started or the, the curtain opened and you just got transported on a on a journey and you get lifted up literally out of your seat, taken on this journey, taken through a range of emotions, whatever those emotions may be. And then you get placed down at the end of the show in the seat. And that show for me, for theatre, has to have impacted some way, even if it's the fact that I really didn't like it. I didn't like how it looked. I didn't like how it was directed. I didn't like the acting. Even if that's the case, it's been a, a lived experience through that piece mm. of theatre. And I think that's hugely important. And, you know, so for me, I think, yeah, it can be a great kind of night press night. There's a huge hype. There's a huge excitement. But as part of that team that's created that, you just want everybody to really kind of have a good experience of it. If people haven't had a good experience, it's still been an experience. And that's still a positive. That's what theatre's about. It's, yeah. it's about creating experiences. I think press can be fun. It's certainly press night parties can be possibly a little more fun after the show's finished. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think from an enjoyment point of view, the discussions, the collaborations, the resolving issues and finding solutions, that kind of pragmatic approach to, to creating theatre has to be rewarding because let's face it, there's a lot of that, whether it comes yeah. down to financial restrictions, whether it comes down to size restrictions. You know, I mean, Bron and I have worked together a lot and, you know, one thing she as a director is always very good at doing is, is basically being creative with what she's got. She can tell a story with literally nothing. And that's great because you learn from that. And, and it's back to your point about, I guess, stage directions, etc. You know, the actor sat on a chair and, and lifted this off the table and, and drank it or whatever that kind of direction is. It's about thinking a little bit out of the box, if you will, around those kind of, it doesn't have to be a chair. 
It could be yeah. that they suck on anything. And I think, you know, that's why you don't want to kind of restrict yourself too much on what you're given on paper. Yeah. Because you can do anything in that space and you can create anything. It's, it's about that creative thinking part and that problem solving. And I think that's probably one of the most exciting, exciting parts of the process. Coming back to Exhibitionist then, which is at the King's Head Theatre, why should listeners who are listening to this podcast come and watch the show at the brand new venue here at the King's Head Theatre? Well, A, it's funny. Yes, yeah. it's, it's very funny. I mean, it's a, it's a sort of gay romantic comedy, if you will. But on seeing that... Uh, from an accessibility point of view, it doesn't matter what the sexuality is of the, the romantic comedy element of it. I think it will appeal to a whole a range of, of people. But it does it does centre around two couples, two same-sex couples, and, and who discover that they, one from each of the couples has a connection. It's farcical in elements. I mean, I suppose the writer would say that, you know, if you think about some of those kind of fast-talking comedies of the 30s and 40s the, the sort of high societies and the bringing up baby it's it's a kind of modern version of some of that kind of writing if you like so it's funny cleverly put together it's it's nicely contained in the the story and in this space and i think let's face it the weather has been miserable yeah. and audiences yeah. need a laugh and need a, a feel-good kind of night out then check out the the new king's head and, and check out this new play and i keep saying this the the new play in the new theater in the new year so yeah i would i would say come along and i am sure you will enjoy it it's fun perfect well that is exhibitionist which is at the king's head theater from the 5th of january until the 10th of february now gregor when this episode goes out it's the first week of 2024 so we're a couple of days away from exhibitionist opening at the king's head theater looking at the year ahead what kind of energy are you bringing to 2024 with your work? So for all of us, for all of us in the industry, it has been challenging, as we know. It continues to be challenging. It's up and down and it's up and down. And, and actually, it's interesting, as creators, we were talking about this the other day, just in terms of where we were last year, you know, yeah. at this time and what we were facing. And and actually, you know, there's a, a lot on the table for, for 2024. I actually feel really quite positive about it. We get to 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 start the year with this play in in this new space, and it's not everybody that gets to design a first right. production in a new theatre. So I'll always be able to have that on my CV. Yeah. it's really exciting for us. The director and I then go off to Bahrain uh, yes. with a musical that we we did at the Palladium, and and I've got a couple of tours this year, which are. Great, something I've done previously and, and will tour from, from this summer, which will be fantastic. So I'm really positive about theatre and about 2024. I think it's it feels like it's starting to pick up. There's a lot of things happening. I think audiences are getting confidence again in theatre. And, and hopefully confidence is, is starting to kind of spread generally across the industry. It's taken a real battering and it will continue to take time. But, you know, theatre is so resilient. And, and when I say theatre, it's the people that make theatre. 
And we are, we're a resilient bunch. So, you know, it feels positive. Amazing. It's so good to hear that you're going to have a positive 2024. Well, Gregor, I've got one final question for you. It's the title of this podcast. That's the stagey place. And what I love to ask all of my guests is where their stagey place is. So, Gregor, this could be, you know, a part of the process that you have when you're designing a show. It could be someone who's inspired you to be in this industry that inspires you to create the work that you create on stage. It could be a venue that you've really enjoyed designing designing your work for maybe it's here at the king's head theater the brand new theater like you just said there you can have it on your cv you're designing the first show in this brand new theater or it could not even be a person or a place maybe it's your brain where you get all of these ideas and your storyboarding in all of these books that you say that you have all around the place so gregor donnelly for you whereabouts is your stagey place the million dollar question there are numerous people that have, as I say, influenced me and, and got me to where I am today, which I'm, I'm hugely grateful for. From a stagey place, I think one of the most, well, I say exciting, but one of the places I love to be is on stage when there's nobody there. Yeah. When the set's there, everything is all set on stage and I'm on that stage on my own, not because I want to be on stage, because I certainly do not, but just have that sense of, that space on my own with my own thoughts we've achieved it we've got to that point and not having anybody in the auditorium or backstage or whatever is just absolute silence yeah. and I just reflect a little and enjoy that kind of space I think I love it I do love it I have to say, I don't know quite what it is about that. I think it's because there is so much maybe buzz and, and biz and all the rest of it that goes on all the time. Just have two minutes of utter silence on your own, on that stage, with no audience, no backstage crew, yeah. nobody from the, the, the creative team or whatever. It's it's probably one of my favourite places to be. That is a wonderful answer to a wonderful interview that we've had today, Gregor, here on The Stagey Place. I want to thank you so much for coming on to talk about wow. your work, your processes, everything, and to talk about Exhibitionist, which once again is on at the King's Head Theatre from the 5th of Jan until the 10th of February. We'll have all of the dates and everything else about the show in our episode notes wherever anybody is listening to The Stage Place. Gregor, thank you so much for your time. I know that it's probably a busy time. You're at the end of the year. You're opening up the show in the new year. I wish you all the best. But yeah, thank you for your time today. Elliot, it's been lovely. Thank you for having me and um, all the best for 24. I hope you have a great year. And there we go. That was Gregor Donnelly, the set and costume designer for Exhibitionists, which is on at the King's Head Theatre, the brand new venue for the King's Head Theatre from the 5th of January until the 10th of February. I'd love to thank Gregor so much for coming on to the podcast. I think we'll all agree that was such a fantastic interview to have for our first interview of 2024 for our first episode of 2024. So I'd love to thank Gregor so much for coming on to the podcast to talk about exhibitionists, to, but, to talk about exhibitionists, but also just to talk a little bit about how they found themselves in this industry and their journey into finding themselves as a set and costume designer. Join us next week on the podcast where guest host Sam Pelt will be interviewing Tom Sparrow, who is the writer and performer of The Ending, which is playing at the Cockpit Theatre later this January. But until then, like I said in my intro, if you'd like to follow The Stagey Place on social media, we are on Instagram, TikTok and X at The Stagey Place.
So until you join us next time here on the Stage Place podcast, I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye.